All right, welcome to I-80 Sports, and this is the NBA division. I am your host, Jeff Marone, joined by my other co-hosts, Kilroy and Mongo and Kevin, and we are talking back, we are talking Central Division in the NBA basketball. Welcome back, Jeff. You know, we're not doing traffic report. We are, but we can, but we're not. There's traffic. Uh, I started the traffic report, but <laughs> well, it's, Sorry, uh, we're so excited to have you back, Jeff. We hit the wrong button. That's, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. I'm, and, I'm uh, glad to be back, you know. <laughs> and you're, you're right in time. We're, uh, we're moving to the east today. We switched on over. So I was holding out on purpose. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Wise man. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we going to – you know what? Because he's back, let's start with Jeff. Give us how you want to start. Do you want to start one through five, five through one? you want to do four and three? It's up to you. All right. I think we should start one through five in the Central Division. Uh, again, we're covering the NBA Central Division uh, predictions here. So I think we should start one through five, and I think we'll uh, we'll start with you guys. Killer Mango, why don't you start with your one? Oh, my one is, I'm presuming everyone's number one. <laughs> I don't think it's really close. Uh, it is the Milwaukee Bucks. I have them projected to win 55 games. You know, I, for me, I typically do a plus or minus five on that. So, you know, between 50 and 60 wins. Fair enough. So when I've been doing these wins, Jeff, I've been saying show your work a lot. What did a team do to earn more wins or um, you know, cost them, you know, more losses. And in Milwaukee's case, they really didn't do anything. They added Grayson Allen. That's about it. And while normally I would punish them for that, and I am, I am going to take away a couple wins. I really do love what they did. They basically said, listen, other than the Nets, we know we were a viable championship threat the entire time last season. There are 26, 27 teams well below us. We're fully aware we are the hunted, not the hunter. So we're just going to run this thing back again, and you come and get us. So I completely respect and love what they did. With that being said, the East did get a little bit better around them. There's got to be a little bit of a hangover you got to factor in after the championship. Um, so I think last year they would have projected out a little bit higher. I moved them back a little, and I put them right at 50 wins. I mean, Kevin, why don't you tell us the what yeah. they were projected to get last year and see how close we are to what, the, you know. <laughs> okay, so what I've been doing this entire series is I've been giving last year's actual record what it would have been projected to over an 82-game win season, over 82-game full season, and then what I think for this season. So last year, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks were 46-26. and 26. Um, They would have been projected to win 52 games. Uh, I don't think that, uh, my prediction for them was very, very much different. Uh, I, I have them also as my one team in my number one team in this division. Uh, I do think that while the East did get a little bit better, I think there's still going to be quite a bit of fighting down below them. I have them finishing at 56 wins good enough for first place in the central division. Wow, that's uh, that's a really good pick. I think I was going to – I definitely have them, Milwaukee, obviously, first in Central Division. And I definitely have them at, like – I was thinking 57 wins with their team. Like you said, Mongo, it's they didn't make any differences, changes in their roster besides adding Grayson Allen and 
yes, you can maybe knock him down a notch for that one. And we know Grayson Allen is going to trip someone eventually in one of the games going down the line. But I honestly, I think, like you said, it's the formula of what's running back. It's like when you're playing pickup basketball, you keep winning with the same team. Let's run it back, run it back again to keep, keep going out there and trying to beat, defeat the other teams. And uh, this Milwaukee Bucks team is the tough to defend in champions is the reason why. But I think they'll be the number one seed in the in the east but i think i don't know how far they get into the east i think they can make it to the conference finals but i don't know if they win absolutely and again i i'm sure i'm going to anger some bucks fans and, and a bunch of fans uh today yeah. I'm, I'm just in that sort of mood but i do have <laughs> to re, i do have to remind everybody this is a classic hate the game uh you know not player situation this is not a power ranking this is not a confidence ranking this is guess the wins and i think a lot of the East in general, and especially the Central, has gotten at least good enough where if the first time they play the Pistons or the first time they play the Cavs, they go, cakewalk, let's bench Giannis, give him a day off. I think Detroit can now surprise them. I think Cleveland can now surprise them if they come in with that mentality of we don't even need Antetokounmpo here. And I think if they have that mentality, which they have every right to do because we know they're safely locked into, you know, somewhere in the top four in the East. I think they could lose a couple games. So do I think that means anything come playoff time? No, I'm with you, Jeff. Their path to the Eastern Finals is pretty secure unless yeah. they run into the Nets as the two and the three somehow. But that's not the point of this game. Do I think they're going to accidentally give an, a, a handful of wins away this season? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then also remember, this was a team that was a Kevin Durant three-pointer, a foot on the line from being eliminated in the playoffs and, and that in the conference semifinals, uh, which uh, Kevin Durant, that was playing by him pretty much by himself. And that about, he's missing his two other star players. So very uh, interesting how that all laid out and how it worked out for them to, you know, win the championship down the line, but they were still one three pointer away, a foot on the line, basically from losing, losing in the semifinals. That's all it takes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, moving on to our number two, uh, this, I think, might be where we start to differ a bit. I have the Bulls. Um, I liked the additions they made. I do not necessarily think that those additions are going to be, you know, always the in the best position because you're, you're learning as a team. Um, and they did bring in a lot of new pieces, so it, it, it's going to be interesting. But I do have them at 43 wins. I think that they're going to be above, <clears throat> you know, average. But I don't think that they're going to take a monumental leap this year that they're going to be, you know, challenging the Bucks for the division. Fair, fair, totally fair evaluation. And um, would anyone else like to speak on behalf of the Bulls before I tell you all why you're wrong? Anybody else? Does anyone else have the Bulls? Uh, I was going to go with the Bulls as well, too. Please take it away, Jeff. Uh, I honestly I, I like the additions that they have uh, with Ball and Levine and DeRozan as well. Uh, you know, and Vujacek, obviously they made – I mean – Levine's been on there and then blue check. They made the trade for last year. Um, I think they're going to be a, de a decent team. I, I honestly don't think the central division is as strong as uh, the other divisions out there. So I can definitely see Chicago getting in that 45, 40 win caliber. It could make the playoffs as a seven or an eight seed. Um, but I do think they are, they are the second best team in this division. Kevin, Kevin, are you joining? Are you joining the train here? I'm also. I'm also on. I'm actually also on Chicago. Uh, not to the tune of 43 wins necessarily, but um, I I did kind of like their moves in the offseason. Now it should be noted that 
Chicago was 31 and 41 last year. That would have equated to 35 and 47 over 82 games. I don't believe they, I don't believe their moves uh, in projected, uh, I don't believe they made enough moves to win, increase their win total by eight games, but I do believe that they're going to finish 40 and 42. I do believe they have some improvement, but not, not over 500. So tell us why we're wrong. So you guys are absolutely right. And at the same time, you're absolutely wrong. And, and again, <laughs> it comes down to what the heck game are we playing? Guys, I agree with you completely. I think the Bulls are power rankings wise, the second best team, but we're counting wins here. And when you look at what the Pacers have done, again, much like the Bucks, it's really nothing um, except that they've brought in a great coach in Rick Carlisle. They have a fully healthy Karis LeVert. They went out and drafted Chris Duarte, who's NBA ready, and they're otherwise running back the exact same team. Now, I know last year the wins weren't there, but again, there were coaching issues and there was there were injury issues. And so something has to be said for the fact you look at this team, Brogdon, Lavert, Warren, Sabonis, Turner. You still have Holiday and McConnell doing the work off the bench. It's a good team as constructed, but it gets to start winning right away because it knows what it's doing. Meanwhile, the Bulls have to deal with Kobe White figuring out how to be a bench player now. We know everyone's favorite little gimmick, Alex Caruso, costs some games early on in the season, whereas Chris Duarte comes in NBA ready and ready to prove himself. So the backup two advantage to the Pacers when it comes to wins and losses. It's going to take some time for Patrick Williams to figure out his role in his sophomore year now that he went from being a high expectation number four overall pick to being arguably the seventh best, you know, the <laughs> plan seven on offense on the bull. So this is going to take some time. And we know Billy Donovan traditionally not a coach who cares about wins and losses in the regular season. So come the playoffs, would I rather see the bulls or the Pacers? Oh, absolutely. Give me the Pacers. Um, do I think the Pacers are going to end up with a seed that far exceeds how good of a team they actually are? Absolutely. But when we're just counting wins, Pacers are going to take the Bulls just on raw need of time to, to become a cohesive unit. So I have the Pacers at 44 wins because they get to start right away winning and being able to win close games. I do still have the Bulls at 41. So I'm not too far off from you guys. I think the Bulls are what they are. I think they're a pretty decent team that's going to be competitive come you know the playoffs. But the Pacers have a huge advantage by being a team already. Yeah, I mean, I, I do understand that. That's why I do have them as my number three. Uh, I don't have them that far off. I have them at 38 wins, which is very, you know, which is reasonable. I yeah. I don't necessarily think that they made enough of an improvement um, to jump anywhere. I understand uh, Karis LeVert is is going to be healthy and, you know, that the team should get better to a, point, a degree. But I don't know. I just feel like that they, they – they're lackluster, right? There's nothing like – spectacular about them that you're like oh boy i'm glad it's the pacers you know (laughs) at the same time i do understand what you're saying i mean with that being said this whole thing in that sense is deck chairs on the titanic because it basically goes nets bucks 12 big old cups of vanilla orlando magic so i mean (laughs) where you want to put everybody else (laughs) is not entirely different but, uh, you know, I do get your point that when it comes time, and again, that's my argument for the Pacers in the playoffs, there's nothing there that you particularly go, that guy is going to win me a game. But at the same time, you look up and down their roster, nobody's going to lose you a game either. No, I, I do understand that. And I, 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 like I was saying, it will take time for the Bulls to gel as a team. Uh, it will be interesting. You're, you're not wrong. I do think that ultimately they will probably have very similar records, probably both around 42 wins, most likely. 
the, neither team is really drastically better than 500, you know, where we're talking about like 50 plus wins or anything like that. They're both good teams that will sit or hover around 500. I, I think like with the Pacers, I think the biggest problem with them is can they stay healthy? Is like the real question with them. I mean, you have the injury of TJ Warren last year, who's he's been out. He only played four games last year. And then you also had uh, Karis LeVert, who was out as well, too. Can they stay healthy or does Sabonis actually have to carry the load again? I mean, Sabonis, I honestly think, should be in the MVP running for what he did last year. He really showed out, especially the way he played in the playoffs. And he's just a great, great player overall. So, like, definitely a little, like, nice to see his dad so uh but it's 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 great to uh you know see the i would like to see the pacers uh you know they'll be the third seed i think they'll be in that 37 38 game range i remember what it would be kilroy on that one yeah and uh kevin do you have the pacers at your number three pacers are my number three team in this division they were 34 and 38 last year that would have equated to 39 and 43 over an 82 game season. Uh I was not uh I, I don't I I looked at their moves. I really wasn't moved in either direction with their moves. So I have them also at 39 and 43 for this coming season. Does does nobody give Rick Carlisle any wins in this game? I know we've generally been sticking to players, but I I, I think that has to matter, especially I mean, when yeah. you look at the other coaches in this group. I mean, I'm doesn't that I'm, also like want to also take a bit of time for that to to as well that they have to adjust to his system? I I don't think so because he's he's done this for so long. He knows what needs to get done right away, and also other than Chris Duarte, who again is just such a natural plug in three and D. These are these are veteran guys. They don't have to worry about cultural differences. They're professionals. They know that Rick Carlisle is going to come in with a, you know, certain level of expectation. And they, they probably know Rick Carlisle one way or another through talking to friends on the Mavericks or just being alive the last 20 years. Um, you know, it's not like when the Cavs go out and get a guy and you're like, I haven't been watching Tel Aviv basketball, so unfortunately yeah. I don't know what to expect. You know, this is about as household of a name as you can get, and I feel like that no, has I, to count for something. It does count for something, but, you know, I mean, I, I, but the, as we've been doing, we weren't we, – at least I haven't been taking into account coaches well, too much. I haven't Which either, I but this is this is the first this is the first time I have, but I, I think this is a, a particular you know. Well, the, the thing the thing with the thing with a new coach in any situation is that even though Carlisle is known, it's still going to take a little bit of time to get used to the system. I don't think they're going to all of a sudden get used to the system and go off and running right away. So I just did I just didn't think that Rick Carlisle coming in uh, would move the needle enough to go in either direction. I think, I think how it's going to go is it's going to go a little bit under as they get used to it, and then the players will pick up a little bit to go on to go back to that pace that I think that they're going to be at. And now, that's how were, that's how I went with that. Now, if you were to tell me next season, mm, okay, that's, that's totally different. Yeah, I, that's yeah. I feel by next season that you have you take the same team, bring them back, and he you got the same coach and everything. I can see that taking him taking them to a whole new level. Do you think Carlisle now this is just a little bit out of the but do you think like Carlisle will use Sabonis like he used Novinsky and like run the the same kind of basketball system that he was running with the Mavericks? My answer is we can only be so lucky. Yeah. Uh, they should. I think that's my answer and I don't know why you you wouldn't. I think the the one argument you can make why he wouldn't is because the supporting cast 
around Sabonis right now is significantly deeper than anything Nowitzki really ever ran with in, in his time. Not that he didn't have stars with him at times, but you never really looked at the Mavs the way I look at this Pacer team and say, Brogdon is a definitive should be starting in this league. Lavert is, Warren is, Turner is, you know, the, the Mavs never really ran yeah, five man. deep like this. And I think that would be the one argument against not like just turning it into Nowitzki ball. But yeah. man, talent wise, you're absolutely right. So bonus is a total, total stud and he, he can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Sorry. Is that, by the way, are you then putting the Bulls at your number three or are you? you yeah. So I, I have, okay. I have Pacers 44 wins, Bulls 41 wins. So it, it is pretty close. Um, the other thing I think, yeah, you know, it's funny. My, my argument for why I support the Pacers is that they're running back the same team. But my secondary argument is actually the complete opposite, which is when you look at the Bulls, they just invested recently, maybe not immediately, but recently they invested a lot in Vucevic, DeRozan. Obviously, they, you know, Levine, they're all in on. They drafted a bunch of these guys like Kobe White. If this doesn't work in Chicago, there's really not a whole lot they can do. Like, that's their team. If this thing falls off the rails, it falls off the rails. They're running it back, you know, in 2022, 2023 anyway. The Pacers at least have a couple options where they can say, all right, maybe it's time to admit the TJ Warren experiment has failed Maybe and trade him. Maybe it's time to admit that Miles Turner is just not happy being the second big man here and try and trade him. So if I had to just, you know, who do I have more confidence will find a way to make adjustments? Um you know, Carlisle and movable pieces or Billy Donovan and unmovable pieces. I got to give the advantage to the Pacers there. If you're telling me pick one horse to bet on. I definitely, I definitely see that. That is actually a very good argument. And, and uh, who, who, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, at this point, uh, the market for DeRozan was it wasn't great to begin with and for agency. And why would you move him? You right. know, thirty-five games into if they get um, off to you know a, a the only piece that I could possibly start. see them trading is Levine because is it, did he sign an extension or is in his contract up soon? Stats man, where you at, Kevin? What do we got on on Zach Levine's contract? Before, I'm going to bring that up in a second. Hold and on. Then when when Kevin answers that, but uh, I think with like. The thing about Indiana that is interesting too, I just don't think they have the best shooters around that team. I don't think they have the, the greatest like three point shooters. Oh, do the Bulls. We could start yeah. playing. <laughs> we could start playing drink every time I say Chris Duarte this season. But yeah. I think so, well, I think he's got a great addition, but like I just don't think they have the best like you know so spread. I mean TJ Warren, but also the Bulls too is also everyone they're full of slashers as well too. These two teams will be very fun to watch play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be, you know, Patrick Williams attempting to play defense while everybody else shoots from 10 feet away crazily. It's going to be <laughs> fantastic to watch. We get like five absolute gems this season. Um, Have you seen the Mouse and the Palace documentary just completely over on the the, cent, the central division? Like, of, like, do you think we'll have that battle between Chicago and Indiana? Just that, like the battle of the slash. I mean, I, I don't see who on Indiana would be the enforcer like that. The problem yeah. is, yeah, in this situation, I'd actually pick the fans. If there was a fight between this third <laughs> Pacer and a bunch of guys in row eight, I got the fans with a third round knockout pretty pretty handedly. I I do not see toughness, which is which is part of why I think the you know Giannis should be able to just kind of bully his way through much of the East. Yeah, There's yeah. not a lot of enforcement to be had uh, down a lot of this division. And if you guys have been paying attention at all since the world has started to well, sorry, America started to open up again for sports. Yeah. There's been a lot of angry fans just beating the crap out of each other. Too. Oh yeah, I know. It's like every game. Oh, I guess you got to get out of your system to get built yeah. up. <laughs> I guess in some sort of way. Kevin, right, you have that. We got. 
So Zach Levine did sign a four-year, seventy-eight million dollar contract okay. back in twenty before the 2018-2019 season. Oh, dude. the the twenty twenty-one twenty twenty-two upcoming season is his last year of that contract. After this season, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Okay, so yeah, so if it were to go south for the Bulls, that's about the only piece that I could see them trying to move off. On the flip side, though, they may be trying to, and again, we have no idea if Zach Levine is one of these, you know, I don't want to be in my own head kind of guys during the season, but they may try and re-sign Levine before they realize, "Uh uh-oh, this team doesn't work. So there's even that chance that, uh, you know, they're completely screwed out of being able to make moves at the deadline if they lock him in before, you know, if they get to like 16 and 19, you know, 35 games in and they've re-signed Levine already, what are they going to do? Nothing. They're just going to assume that, you know, Coach Donovan will find a way to get this thing to click and they'll get to about 500, which is where we all pretty much have them. Yeah. So I think this is now we're getting into more territory of, I don't think we're going to be too far off on records for these two next two teams, but they're going to, they're definitely, boy, howdy are they, uh, they are something special. Uh, One has a player who I think is super overrated and has been for his whole career. And the other is is the Pistons. Is, yeah, the others the Pistons that I <laughs> that I, I used to love watching the uh, the the Ben Wallace, uh, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, and uh, Rasheed Wallace. That team was awesome to watch. Ah, that team, was I, awesome. I, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, they did not score a lot, but boy, did they play defense. Let's put yeah. it this way: games in the seventies were a good thing against that team. Yeah, that yeah. like speaking of watching that documentary, I think they won. Detroit won a game against the Indiana Pacers. I think it was like seventy-two to sixty-nine. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that, was, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, it was like very. I was like, whoa, that was like a low-scoring game back <laughs> then. Yeah, so like, that was awesome. Yeah, but I, I, I do have to say, uh, sadly, I have the Cavs finishing ahead of the Pacers by one game. Pistons. Pistons, sorry, Pistons and Pacers too. No, by the Pistons by one game. Uh, I have it at, them at thirty-five and forty-seven, and Pistons I have at thirty-four and forty-eight, around the same. I, I really, it can be a coin flip between either team. They're both not ready to take a step in that direction. Maybe in a couple years, especially with the Pistons, uh, more so than the Cavs, because the Cavs are boy, they are about to make potentially make a big mistake. What's what's their with Kevin Love? Yeah, well, no. Well, I mean, trading Kevin Love, but I don't think that's the mistake. I think their mistake is potentially getting someone that we aren't talking about. He's not factored into my wins at all, but the potential Ben Simmons to the to them. <laughs> I think that that's a horrible move, but that's what they wanted. That's just something that they want to do. Right. So again, if you, if you haven't been watching, first of all, shame on you. But this is now our fourth installment of the divisional breakdown. And we decided that we will not factor in uh, trades. Now, we kind of almost broke that rule a minute ago with talking about trade flexibility, but that's a little bit different than being hypothetical. We can all agree the Pacers have movable pieces. That's not speculating. Saying the Cavs are going to end up with Ben Simmons is speculating. So that's the difference there. Um, So we're going to look at the Cavs and the Pistons rosters here as currently constructed, but you do have to factor in that there's a real good chance this is not the Cavs roster two, three months from now. Um, Jeff, what what say you on this? I honestly, I think it's close. I honestly do think it's, I I think it's going to be a close one. I, I see. I like the Cavs roster what it is now. Uh, I mean, with the exception of, 
uh, Kevin Love with the the, poss- the possibility of him going somewhere else. But I like that they're a young team. They have good young pieces with that team. Um, but and Detroit is also still like a really good young team. And the addition of Katie Cunningham, who I think is going to be who might come in averaging 15 to 16 points per game. And then you have Jeremy Grant, but I, I think Cleveland's going to edge, edge them out on this one for, uh, you know, the fourth place of the central division. I think uh, Cleveland will get your 27 wins uh, on that one. But I, I, I think it's going to be close. I think we'll have some good young battles, but I think Cleveland is, they're on the upside. If everything can, if, that the hypothetical of uh, Ben Simmons stays out of it, like the possibility of Ben going to the team. But I think they're on the upside of where they could be. Uh, if they get Ben, then I, I don't know why you would get rid of those young pieces. All right. Bad and they should feel bad. Huh? Kevin, my argument is dependent on talking about last season. So let's go to you next. Cause you're going to tell us the win totals. From okay. So this is going to be interesting because you're going to find out, you're going to find out something about both the, uh, Pistons and the Cavaliers in my f- future rankings. So the, uh, we're talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. The Cleveland Cavaliers were 22 and 50 last year. That would have been good for 25 and 57. Jeez. Now, I don't see how a team that is going to go over around 25 wins has quote unquote upside. Um, actually, my two teams on the bottom actually have the same record, and I have the Cavaliers losing a tiebreaker to the Detroit Pistons, finishing with 21 wins and 61 losses. 21? Yes. Oh, whoa. Definitely better than 21 wins, but I do understand what you're saying. Boy. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other way here before we get too many angry uh, fan mails here from our fine folks in the Midwest. Um, so. I, I understand the math there, Kev, but I'm going to start with the Pistons here. I have the Pistons at four, and um, most of Vegas is about at this number. I'm just citing DraftKings here, but DraftKings has this number at 25 and a half wins. Um, and when you look at how the Pistons are constructed, everything went everything went right for them last year. And obviously you can make the argument, well, how, how when is that going to happen again? But they're running the same team back again that was playing lights out for Dwayne Casey at the end of the year. Um, you know, Isaiah Stewart looks like an absolute beast in the middle. Uh, Sadiq Bay looks like way more than what they thought they were getting, which was just, you know, microwave offense as a six man. Uh, Jeremy Grant has completely embraced this, you know, me and the youngins role. Uh, Killian Hayes comes back healthy and he was looking, you know, decent in the, in the time he had. Uh, Josh Jackson looks like a bona fide six man contender. Uh, they go out and add Cade Cunningham, who you know, with the exception of Anthony Bennett, first round picks always at least contribute something their rookie year. Even Anthony Edwards looked abysmal for 20 games and he ended up in the rookie of the year conversation. So all the pieces are there and Dwayne Casey always gets the most out of his guys. So I'm going to start by saying 25 and a half is what to me is one of the easiest over unders to call in Vegas this year. They're going way over that. Um, Now, the other thing to factor in is general tradition, and I'm sure, Kevin, I know you, you're predicting further, you know, you're macro managing where you're already making your playoff predictions. We're not going that far. But conventional wisdom this year has been there are five obvious missing teams in the East. Um, you know, the Magic, the Wizards, the Pistons, the Cavs, and the Raptors are the obvious bottom five, lock in the top ten, and let's do the playoffs now. But one of those five teams has to be giving chase. 
So whichever of those five teams, Pistons, Cavs, Wizards, Magic, or Raptors, you believe is the best, should be still playing competitive basketball at the end of the season, trying to make a run at the playoffs, while a team like the Magic, who we all know I have as the 15th, are going to be actively tanking at that point. So I think the Pistons are the 11th best team in the East and consequently are going to be winning games they really have no right winning at the end of the season. So I have them at 34 wins, and I think they get nowhere near that 25 and a half mark because even if you know they get eliminated a, a little bit sooner than I have them getting eliminated, they go down to 31-32. But there's no way, in my opinion, they end up in the 20s. So I mean, so you have it around the same as me. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You know, I mean, I, I think 21 is a ridiculous. Yeah, number. no, 34, I think, I'm with you. I think 21 is way too low, uh, but I do understand you're you're um, not necessarily giving them wins, but I don't know about taking away wins. Right. Well, like, wh- wh- what makes you think that they're 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 going to be worse? Yeah, it's oh. the exact same team plus Kelly Olenek and Cade Cunningham. How are you taking away wins? Wait from wait from Cleveland or Detroit? From Detroit. Oh no, Cleveland will we'll get there. But but Detroit, where how are you taking away wins? They lost Frank Jackson and they added Cade Cunningham and Kelly Olenek. They lost one of the Plumleys, I think. Well, to be honest, when when I was when I was uh, when I was uh, putting this together, you know, I was doing my entire I was doing the entire conference, and I figured that there had to be some teams that were would be in the low in the low twenties. So. They just happen to be the teams that I guess that would be in the low twenties. If I'm wrong, hey, I'm wrong. Can't can't blame can't blame a guy for trying. The Magic are going to go negative three and eighty five. So there are plenty of wins to be had for everybody. This argument that someone's got to lose is irrelevant. Detroit because it's just the Magic. Detroit. What well, they got Detroit gets a quarter of those wins if they sweep Cleveland, which is very possible. Twenty one for two teams that get the that are guaranteed five total wins between them because they play each other in a sport where you can't tie is incredibly low. Remember, Detroit also, Dwayne Casey always gets the most out of his guys. They all have something to play for because they're all still on their rookie contracts for the most part, other than Jeremy Grant, who seems to have no quit. They're going to come across the Bulls still trying to figure it out. The Bucks thinking, ah, we can sit a couple of our guys here. The, you know, if Detroit is written off early as a team you can bench your stars against, Dwayne Casey doesn't care. He's going to give it his all, and they're going to surprise very early. They could easily have an above 500 record after – 10 games, 15 games. And not that that means much, but when you're only expecting them to get 21 wins, if they start eight and seven, or even if they start seven and nine, somewhere around there, do the math. That's something like 14 and 60 the rest of the way. I mean, that's almost statistically impossible. So 21 to me, just, ah, that seems crazy low. But either way, I think Detroit, you know, they're running back basically the same team that was playing great at the end of the season last year, or at least, you know, was were playing with a ton of confidence at the end of the year. They're adding the number one overall pick. They're adding Kelly Olenek, who is basically the, the poor man's Grayson Allen in that he tries to start a fight, but it's just not as good at it. Um, I, I like where this team is headed, and I think they're going to arrive sooner than most people give them credit for. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't disagree. I, I That's why I, I really – we have the same record, mm-hmm. right? Like, I totally understand. I just think the Cavs can – you know, I mean, I don't think that they – I don't know. I really don't like either of these teams to 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 like to be like amazing or anything like that. That's why I have them both in 34 to 35 wins. They're not we're not talking about like drastic differences between these two teams. No. I mean again, I'm talking about the what I believe are going to end up being like the 11 and the 13 seed in the East. Um 
But to, to sit there and say that, you know, this Pistons team has constructed with a handful of lottery picks from, you know, from, you know, or top 20 picks from over the last two years and they got um, Luka Garza. You know, are going to be historically bad. Seems seems wild. Uh, Luca Garza had a heck of a summer camp. Uh, I know, Jeff, you're, you're our summer camp guy. You know, maybe you can touch on some of these guys from uh, from Detroit, but they, they sure looked functional in the summer. I mean, they, they didn't look like a team that's about to lose three out of every four games. I, no, they also, real quick, that the Pacers are actually surprisingly like tall starting five. Pacers or Pistons? Sorry, Pistons. I keep doing that. It's an accident. The Pistons are surprisingly tall starting five, excluding their center who's six six nine. But like they have three six eight between Grant Bay and Cunningham, and then Killian Hayes is six five. So they, they, they got the link. They'll, they'll be able to play pretty decent defense. And, and when we just said 10 minutes ago, this is a soft division, they can bully a couple people. They can certainly bully the Magic where everyone on the team is six foot three. Um, you know, it's there are going to be wins to be had. I just I think 21. Oh, that's such a crazy number. Especially seeing the Magic are going to get. <laughs> <laughs> the Magic are going to be deducted wins. So... Um, the, the bashing of the magic on this podcast continues, and I just absolutely love it. I think it's so <laughs> Considering we're not even talking about the Southeast, I actually had to go off the menu to bash out the team. So all you need to know about what I think about them. I feel like magic fans out there are like, man, no, they're not wrong. No, like, they not like that. <laughs> the if if the if the NBA was a was like a, a high school English class, the magic are the ones sitting in the back going. Please don't call on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about this? Like, uh, you know, guard, all the guards. We want all the guards. <laughs> they're, they're the one that has to go to the bathroom right before the class discussion starts to try and get yeah. out of being the first one to call, get called. <laughs> oh, my God. But oh, I don't know. So- I think that the low the, between Detroit and Cleveland is going to be tough. I, I do think Cleveland has some really good rookies on their team, like some good players on their team. Garland had a great season last year. And went 17 points per game. Sexton had 24 points per game. They add the addition of Laurie Market and they get Evan Evan Mobley. And then they also uh you know they have the center Jarrett Allen, which is also great. So I I like him. I think and Isaac Okoro, who also is a great player as well, too, had a good season uh, last year. I, I apparently missed the when Ricky Rubio ended up with the Cavaliers. Yeah, Ricky yeah Rubio what? now with Cleveland. I mean, they, they have some depth, but again, I, I think the two things. So, Kevin, I know you're keeping track of our numbers, so I, I didn't get my Cleveland number here yet. I think Cleveland is a is somewhere in the 25 to 35 win range, depending on what they do. Remember, we can't play the what do they get for Kevin Love game when trying to project this. Does ben. Kevin Love play? Does he get bought out? Does he get traded for value or does he get traded for future picks? Um, that can all factor in. So I have them anywhere in that 25 to 35 win. I dropped them at 29 for right now, Kev, just since I know you're recording numbers. Um, but what happens with Kevin Love could drastically change. The You're also here. forgetting something that we are all forgetting, the addition of Laurie Marketing. Well, again, if if Kevin Love is staying there, he's the ultimate redundancy. I mean, how much more can just the same type of player do? Obviously, Laurie Marketing, much younger, can play many more minutes, but it doesn't really, to me anyway, it doesn't really add anything. If you just decide, you know what, Kevin Love is just just an older version, let's just buy him out and let Laurie Markin do his thing. Well, that's great. We know what this team does with a Kevin Love-type player. It's what it's done the last couple of years. It's not that good. Um, now, if you can move Kevin Love for a piece, that's great. 
But the question is, what does the league think of Kevin Love? I'll say this. Um, Sporkle, uh, Jeff, I don't know if you you follow this ever, but Sporkle does each summer a projected opening day lineups quiz where you where they predict who they think is going to be the opening day lineup. And for the Cavs, they did not have Kevin Love starting before the Cavs signed Laurie Markkinen. So, you know, with the animosity that was going on between Love and the Cavs this summer, the, you know, the average fan thinks Kevin Love is not a Cleveland Cavalier one way or another when this season starts. And if so, all you're doing is just getting a younger model of the same stretch four who hasn't done much for them the last couple of years. Um, so I really don't know how much he matters. The move that I think is effective is Evan Mobley. I think he plays yes. great alongside Jared Allen. I think they eventually become a fantastic one-two punch and a one-two-three punch amongst bigs with Laurie Markkinen. But again, it comes down to coaching. I don't think J.B. Bickerstaff gets this team functioning as fast as Dwayne Casey does. So again, it's not who do I think wins a ring first. It's not which of these teams do I think gets to 50 wins in a season first. It's just who do I think finds a way to scrap out more wins this season and in a in a you know in a deck chairs on the Titanic situation, it's hard to not give a Dwayne Casey coach team the advantage over a JB Bickerstaff coach team. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I really do. That's why uh, I have around the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, boy, you know, it it will be interesting, right? Because there, there's both both these teams could also surprise us, and because the East is crazy. Look, look how surprised we all were with the Knicks last year. And with the Hawks, right? Like no one thought the Hawks or the Knicks were going to end up being, you know, the what were they, the four and the five? The four and the five, yes. That's you right. Know, no, one, no one going into the season saw that for either of the teams. Not like, at they, all. But the Hawks more, everyone saw like in the future, they looked like they were going to eventually build into something. But no one saw either of these team, those teams. And maybe this year it will be the Cavs or the Pistons who end up surprising us. I only have the Pistons missing the playoffs by two games when you see who I have as my 10 spot, Kevin. So – um, I, not to say I would be stunned. I mean, obviously, I don't have them making the playoffs, but I could see the Pistons being that team that just out hustles its way at least into the play-in tournament. Now, at that point, they'd pretty much run into the Bulls or Pacers and lose by about 18 in that opening game. Um, but if the Pistons are playing an elimination game, come you know the opening round or whatever we call it now, the, the play-in the or play-in the tournament, that would be a success. Whatever yeah. it is. A, it would be a huge success. B, you'd be looking at Dwayne Casey as coach of the year. Um, and and C, um, it wouldn't totally, totally surprise me. I, I You know, I think they have enough pieces that are together. And again, it, the, the key word in this division is cohesion. Again, Jeff, I'm with you. I think the Cavs have more individually talented guys on paper, but you are adjusting for Mobley coming in, for marketing coming in. Yeah. You have to assume that either someone is replacing Love in the rotation or he's being traded for somebody, and that's going to factor in. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, they have the same backcourt, but those bigs are, are all being rotated in. Even Jared Allen hasn't been on the team for that long. Um, yeah. So I, I do think there's some cohesion issues. It may cost them some wins. Um, but long term, I think both of these teams are, are definitely trending in the right direction regardless of your opinion of Kevin Love and Benson. Oh, I know. Well, I, saw an article. I haven't said anything mean to him. I saw an article. with an angry text lately. I, Killer, I saw an article about him, uh, about Team USA, and I immediately thought about you. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I made a remark. I immediately was like, I forgot to send it to the group chat, but I like, that was the first thing I saw. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to behave myself and not totally be mean to him anymore. Uh, we we'll believe that the next time his name comes up. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, eventually I'll, I'm going to slip and 
say how much of a doo player he is. Uh, any any last thoughts um, about ne- the wonderful division of the Central? Well, I never gave the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers record from last year, so let me give that right now. Cleveland Cavaliers, or was it the Pistons I didn't give the re- record from last year? I thought you said 25 wins for one of the teams. Give them both again. Okay, yeah. so yeah. just as a refresher, <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers last year were 22-50, and 50, would, have been, would have projected for 25-57 and 57 over an 82-game season. Detroit Pistons were 20 and 52 last year would have pro- would have projected for a 23 win total over uh, over an 82 game season. So not good for either. Okay. Yeah, no, they were they were bad last year and, uh, and uh, you know they're not going to be amazing this year but they're both teams are pretty much bringing back. Yeah, they're they're running back a lot of the same pieces but they were a lot of young pieces. You know, and again, if if you're out there sitting there saying I don't believe Darius Garland has a very high ceiling. I don't believe Colin Sexton, Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay. Pick your favorite guy under 24 and say, I don't believe in him. And it totally changes our predictions. I happen to believe in Sadiq Bay. I happen to believe in Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes, uh, Cade Cunningham more than I believe in Okoro, Garland, and Sexton. So that's why I have Detroit making a faster jump than Cleveland. If you're out there, you know, if you're an Alabama alum and you're an avid fan of Colin Sexton, you probably have Cleveland ahead of Detroit. A lot of this is just, do you think one or both or neither of these group of young guys are going to develop? I think Detroit has the right staff around them and the right veterans around them when you look at guys like Jeremy Grant and Kelly Olenek being ultimate hustle guys, whereas Cleveland does not have as good of a coaching staff. And Kevin Love, who is actively trying to get the heck out of there, and even their other somewhat veterans, guys like Jared Allen, aren't exactly the most versatile guys when it comes to being able to teach a whole lot to rookies. Um, So that's why I put Detroit ahead of Cleveland. But I'm not denying they weren't both awful last year, but they're running back the same youth. So it comes down to which youth develops first. It should be noted that I have Detroit slightly ahead of Cleveland by virtue of some weird head-to-head tiebreaker. So even though I have them at the same record, I have Detroit as my four and Cleveland as my five. If Cleveland ends up winning a tiebreaker over Detroit, you're off the show, Kevin. That settles it. <laughs> prediction better be right. You're, you're staking your reputation right there. Fair All right. Well, I think that's enough for this episode. Everybody get excited. Kilroy, where are we going next week? Where are we going next week? We are going to the South. Nope. South. Southeast yeah, division. Southeast. That's what it's called. Southeast. We're going to the land of the magic, baby. <laughs> yes, Man. I'm so excited. So next week, gonna co- next week we're going to cover. Next week we're going to cover the Atlanta Hawks, the Charlotte Hornets, the Orlando Magic, the Mi- the Miami Heat, and the Washington Wizards. Is Jamal Mashburn coming the out of Hawks, retirement? The Heat and the rest. We can just call it like that. <laughs> all right, guys. Franz okay. Wagner, all the way, baby. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, everyone, to don't forget to like. And subscribe to this to this ep- episode and to this channel, and we'll see you guys next time. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Pod- uh, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. See y'all. Bye, guys.